0: Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. This week, we're talking about shame. There is so much shame used in marketing. So all the typical way that weight loss is marketed to women, talking about losing belly fat, is your belly, like, do you have a muffin top? like making people feel really bad about themselves, but also in the entrepreneurial industry. Like, have you not made six figures yet? Do you not have a thousand people on your email list? Like, ugh. And so today my guest is Sarah Dean of Shameless Mom Academy. Sarah's a wellpreneur who owns in-person gyms, but also she started a podcast called the Shameless Mom Academy to talk about shame in motherhood. Sarah and I met in the Philippines, and I knew I wanted to have her on the show to talk about this issue of shame not only with motherhood, but with wellness and with our marketing in our business. So our conversation, I think you're really going to like it if that resonates with you. And if you'd like to find a different way to help people achieve their health and fitness goals without making them feel bad about themselves, Sarah's going to talk about what's really worked for her. And we just kind of explore this topic of a more positive way to market our businesses. The other thing that we talk about with Sarah is how to, what to do when you have like a dream to do something, but doesn't quite align with your existing business. So Sarah's got an in-person gym and really wanted to start talking to moms specifically about other topics like self care. And so then she started the podcast. So we'll talk all about that. Ooh, and one more awesome thing we talk about is the idea of self care and how actually to sell self care. Cause I know a lot of you understand the importance of self-care, but it's really hard to get clients to buy into it, right? So Sarah's going to tell us how she's done that successfully with her podcast as well. As always, you can get all the links to everything we talk about in the show notes, which are at wellpruneronline.com. And don't forget, we've got an awesome Wellpruner community group over on Facebook. It's totally free to join. There's over 2,000 Wellpruners and podcast listeners in there talking about each week's episodes Sharing what's working for them, asking and answering questions. It's really awesome. It's a promo free zone, and we'd love to have you over there. You can just go into Facebook and search Wellprinter Community and just ask to join. Okay, so let's get into this interview all about having a shame free business with Sarah Dean. Hey, Sarah, thanks for joining me on the show today. Hi, I'm really excited to be here. So we were just chatting before this. So we met in the Philippines like last month and right now it's 8 a.m. in Hong Kong. And where are you in the world? It's 5 p.m. in Seattle. So you're having your wine. I'm having my coffee, (laughs) but we've made it happen.
1: (laughs) Right, right. I'm not really having wine. I just would like to be having wine. (laughs) I get way too chatty if I have wine while I'm recording. I've actually tried it before. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. You kind of like start meandering and get a bit off topic. Yeah, right. Right. Well, yeah. I don't have real coffee either because I'm off caffeine at the moment. So I'm just, which is so sad. So I've got decaf with coconut milk, which is. Oh, nice. Okay. It's good. Not quite the same, but it's all okay. right. Anyway, amazing. So I'm super glad that you could come on the show because we met in the Philippines, like I said, and you're a wellpreneur, but you've also got this really awesome podcast going on. So just give everyone a rundown of like
1: who you are and what you do. Sure. So I own a gym in Seattle. It's a fitness studio for well, I say it's for mostly for women, but we do have a few great men, but my population is like 97% female and we're mostly boot camp based classes. And so I have the gym. I've had the boot camp or I've had my my boot camp which morphed into my own personal gym since 2009 is when I started the boot camp. So now we've been in an independent location for the last few years which has been exciting and terrifying because with independent locations comes overhead and all sorts of things like that, that I know a lot of wellness entrepreneurs are easily overwhelmed by. And I can be at times too. And uh, once we got into our most current location about a year and a half ago, I decided after searching for the perfect gym space for a year, when we finally got in there, I was like, Oh, like I finally have a little bit of free time because I'm not searching for gym space anymore so I'll just start a podcast. And I had really wanted to get into a, um, I have a four, four four and a half year old son and I had really wanted to work with moms, an area that wasn't exclusive to fitness. And so my gym, my population is mostly women. It's a lot of moms, but it's all about shrinking and losing weight. And that's just what people sign up for when they join a gym. That's just the way the world currently works. And so people don't, for the most part, we sign up for vanity purposes when we join a gym. I really wanted to work with women and moms in a different space with a podcast and talk about instead of helping women shrink all the time, which is what people want at the gym, I wanted a place for women to be big and loud and own their space and talk about some of the really uncomfortable things that happen in motherhood and womanhood that often aren't shared or aren't talked about really openly um, in terms of, you know, the challenges that can be faced and um kind of what what self-care can look like as a mom. And even as a really busy woman, I mean, I and many, I have a lot of listeners who take who are not moms who are like, I still listen because even though it's called the Shameless Mom Academy, there's so much value for just women, you know, being more powerful in their everyday life. So that's a lot of what we talk about: being strong and capable and powerful in your life. Um, over at the Shameless Mom Academy,
0: mm-hmm. awesome. So one thing I really love about this is I think that feeling of you know I do this, I have a gym, I help people lose weight, but there's other stuff I want to do. And I think a lot of listeners out there will have that sense. I know they do because I hear, I, I hear from you guys that, you know, there's other things you want to start, but maybe you're not qualified or you're not sure how it's going to be a business or you just feel a little bit like it doesn't fit with what you're already doing. And what I love about what you've done, Sarah, is you just started it. You were like, you know what? I've got my business, but I also want to talk
1: about this. So I'm just going to start talking about it. Yeah, totally. And I will say that was a little bit of a scary leap. And I, I hired a podcast coach and I was like, I'm just kind of thinking about doing this and like, maybe you could help take, like help me get prepared. And he was like, okay, so we're launching in eight weeks. And (laughs) I will say that like that kind of accountability, you just get stuff done. Like I was like, oh, oh, I guess we're really doing it for real then. (laughs) And so that's, and that's kind of the way I operate. Like if someone, if someone else expects me to show up, I'm going to show up 110%. So that actually took my like inspiration into like 110% action really, really quickly But that was also great. And and I really went into the podcast with this attitude of like, this is a passion project. I want to just get started with it and see what happens. And if I love it, great. If I don't, I don't have to keep doing it. But that gave me the space to just try it out with like it didn't need to make money. I wasn't promoting. I wasn't doing anything to make money with it. So I was like, it's just going to be for fun to kind of get my feet wet and then we'll see what happens. And so that's where I kind of I gave myself some permission to just let it be this like little hobby thing for a while. And it, and I've totally fell in love with it. Mm. So talk about like how it's evolved, like what's happened since you started the podcast. We launched in March a year ago, a little over a year ago now, and within a week of launching, I got um, a letter from a lawyer about copyright infringement or about trademark infringement. So that was like a real quick lesson that I had named my show in, and I was infringing on someone else's trademark. And so I like very quickly was like, oh my gosh. This resulted in like a whole legal thing which um I didn't get sued but I thought I was going to get sued. I had to make all these changes which were very stressful and costly and had to happen really quick. And it kind of cemented to me at that time because I really had to fight for like keeping this thing afloat, that I was like, "Oh, I actually really want to make this work." And because this woman is trying to shut me down, like, "Game on, sister. I'm totally going to make this work." So, I went into it with a lot of passion and because of that big hiccup at the beginning, I just quickly felt, I think, like this amazing sense of ownership and pride in it. And that really helped me. I also, I one of the biggest things I did, which was very scary, is I put together a launch team. I don't know if you did this, Amanda, when you launched your podcast, but I reached out to like everyone I knew to say like, this is what I'm doing, guys. And this is how you can support me, which is a pretty scary thing to do, especially I think entrepreneurial types. We tend to be really self-sufficient and we don't like to lean on people. But I needed people to write reviews for me. I needed people to download the show because I wanted to be picked up and new and noteworthy on iTunes. And so I asked for help and people helped me and gave me feedback. And I got a lot of positive feedback. And so that really like asking for help was scary, but that allowed it opened the door for feedback, which was helpful. And that kind of helped like that's where the momentum began, in addition to almost being sued. <laughs> so when, yeah. when you get that when you get that kind of momentum, you're just it it makes it easier to continue to go. And um when in continuing to go forward, we I it just kept growing. Um and it was really, it's just been about showing up consistently. When I said I was going to do it, I was like, we're doing two episodes a week every single week. And I've never missed a week. And that's it's just been like kind of baby step actions. I have a protocol that I do to make sure I get everything done. Sometimes it's super crammed in last minute, but I know what the steps are. And so it's really just been like consistent action over time. But what that's done in the world of podcasting, and I think this is true in any area, is that it's shown my audience, it's shown the people, my followers, like I, you can always expect me to show up on these days at this time with information to like to serve you in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I think that in any field um, and entrepreneurially, that th- that is something that is beneficial to growing an audience and. Setting clear expectations so people know what to expect of you and know that you're taking it really seriously. Well, and just in relationships
0: in general, right? Because so much of
1: like online, we're
0: building relationships with actual people. It's just that we haven't met in person. And so I think by showing up, like what you said, showing up consistently, people start to trust you and learn that they can rely on you and that you're taking this seriously. Yeah, absolutely. But I wanted to say about the podcast launch team. So I did something similar for my book that came out a few months ago um, and put together, like I call them the book ambassadors. So I contacted my community and talked about it on the podcast, but I said only people who could give like an hour a week that are really like dedicated to helping me launch this, you guys can join, like, please join this group. So I ended up with 60 people that were like, they were awesome because it wasn't just like, oh, if you're interested in the book, raise your hand. It was like, if you're willing to like actually spend an hour a week helping me do this, And it was great. And so I, you know, there's always that scary moment where you send an email and you think, is anyone going to want to help me? Oh, totally. (laughs) No one's going to care. But then they do care. And what's awesome is like they're really, people are really willing to help. Like I had amazing, like people spending hours of their time reviewing like first draft copies and like, proofreading it without even being asked to proofread it and catching things. And like, it was so amazing. I couldn't believe how generous people were. So I'd say like, if you're launching something, definitely just ask people to get involved. Like it's, it's so worth it.
1: Yes. And I'll I'll add to that and say that my podcast coach warned me. He's like, you're going to be really surprised by who your yes and who your no's are. They will not be the people you expect. So he's like, even he's like, stretch yourself a little and put some people on your list that you think might be a no but just put them on there and to see what happens because he's, he said some of those uncomfortable asks are the people who are your biggest, but also most quiet cheerleaders at times. And I will say for sure, like the people who showed up for me, I was blown away. And I was like, I, I felt so indebted because a lot of them were people I didn't feel as I didn't have long term relationships with some of them. And then some people that I had very long term relationships with like family members and super close friends who had great intentions of being helpful, just never got around to it. Yep. And the coach who helped me, he was like, He's like, you're going to notice. You're going to be like, what? That person didn't write a review for me? Like, I would do anything for that person. So it's really interesting to see. And you just have to kind of like be neutral about the whole thing. But people, you will be blown away by the people who really do want to support you and will show up for you and, and just like totally help you in any way that they can.
0: It sounds like you actually reached out to people individually that you knew, or did you have an, a list that you emailed? How did you do that?
1: So I just started an Excel spreadsheet and I had multiple lists on there. So I had like, friends and family, which was like anyone from like my husband to my cousin to my, you know, long-term friends. And then I had a list of gym members who were moms who I'd had kind of like, there's certain gym members that I have kind of a long-term relationship with. I've worked with them for years who have just been really supportive of everything I've done. Then I had a list of entrepreneurs who I'm friends with locally here in Seattle. So I put them on the list. And then I had a, a network of entrepreneurs online who I had, I had had another online business before my son was born. So five to seven years ago. So I had that community as well. And so I just kind of started brainstorming each of those lists and some of, you know, some lists were longer than others, but once so I got the whole list together with emails and then I just sent out a mass email that was like, Hey, and it was like a month in advance or something, but I said, Hey, I'm launching this thing in a month. I would love a little bit of support. Like, here's what I would need, it won't take, I mean, mine was, it only took was, it was a minimal amount of time. And then I just said, reply, yes, if you're interested. So then from there, I saw who I heard. I think I maybe sent that email out like two times or something to get any people who I didn't hear from the first time. And then anyone who said yes, they kind of went into the next funnel of like, okay, like you said, yes, here's what I need from you. And um, so, yeah, it was, it it was ultimately a one mass list thing that I curated from multiple smaller lists that I just kind of brainstormed. But every person was handpicked for sure. Like I didn't just go to an email list and blast everyone. Yeah, I did that later after we launched. I blasted like every list I had access to in any AWeber or like any account that I had. I definitely did big email blasts. But for the launch team, because I wanted them to take really specific actions and it was kind of like a multi-step thing Um, for those, I wanted those people to be people that I had a little bit more of a connection with. So I felt a little more comfortable harassing them (laughs) um, versus like my, my blast, my, you know, the, the bigger email blast I was a little more casual about.
0: Oh, thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to pivot a bit and talk about shame and actually, (laughs) Ooh, everyone's favorite topic. And it's funny because, and this is totally coincidental, but I just happened to be rereading Brene Brown's book. On vulnerability, which talks all about shame. And then today we're talking about shame. So I guess that's my theme (laughs) of the week or something. (laughs) Totally. Um, (laughs) So talk a little bit. I mean, let's let's start with motherhood shame, because that's what started you down this path. Can you tell us a bit of like what happened and, and what you see happening in that area?
1: Yeah, I think it started with body shaming in motherhood and the pressure societally, like when you look in like, quote unquote, it fit inspiration or inspiration, um, that's in, in line with fitness. When it comes to stuff about moms, it's all about like, lose your baby weight and how you can lose your baby weight in six weeks and how you can get your six pack back. And like all these things. And I actually used to have a business all about, before I was a mom, I had a business about that. And then I became a mom and I was like, Oh my God, no, we don't want our six packs back. We don't care. Like that's not a priority anymore. And it's kind of offensive to suggest that that should be a top priority, but we see this, this is like constant media and cultural messaging to moms about getting your body back. And so I wanted to talk about that. I also wanted to talk about just self-care in motherhood because self-care like for sure falls by the wayside. And depending on the nature of your baby, it might be for a month or two when your baby's born. It might be for a few years, depending on what's going on with you. Like for me, it was for the better part of a year because my son and I both had some issues. He had issues with feeding and gaining weight. I had issues With major nursing infections multiple times. And I had like pelvic floor stuff and just like every unfun thing that could happen to your post pregnancy body happened to mine. And so, like, exercise, I was moving regularly, but exercise took on a very different meaning for me. And it couldn't be about weight loss because I was so limited in what I could do that for the first time in my life, I was really like, oh, I guess I just have to exercise to like feel good. (laughs) I was like super annoyed by that. But that was really led me down the road when I started the podcast that I wanted to talk about like mom's taking care of themselves just to feel good and to feel strong, not for weight loss. And like to, you know, to, to use that as your, your motivation for exercise or mom's like taking a nap when the baby takes a nap, because that's when you can, and there's no guilt around it. And like, who cares if there's dirty dishes in the sink? And, and and if your husband is wondering about that, by the way, like that's not cool either. And so like conversations that you can have with other people in your life about what you're going through and what a challenge all of this is. Um, I used the example of when my husband got on my case about paper piles on our dining room table when my son was like three months old, and I was like, you know what? I'm not cleaning them up till he's 18. So, deal <laughs> with it. <laughs> I was like, my job right now is to keep this child alive. I, I, I don't care about the paper piles, and I'm not going to care about them for a long time. <laughs> so, I think that that's where some of that um began for me. And then as I got more into it and got more into the into deeper into different podcast topics, I saw I was getting feedback from women who were like you know, I haven't done anything for myself in years. And I didn't even realize I had stopped taking care of myself and stopped putting myself on my own to-do list until you pointed it out in the podcast. And so it's kind of, it's evolved from there in terms of how I see women kind of living in shame and living with guilt and not feeling comfortable owning their space or being okay with, you know, the messy middle quote unquote. But so yeah, we talk a lot. I talk a lot about a lot about that, that like things are going to be messy and they're going to be messy for a long time. And that's cool. Like that's normal. <laughs>
0: So one of the things you mentioned was self-care. And I know, like, we know as Wellpreneurs how important that is. Like, it's so, you've got to fill your own well before you can help other people, right? And self-care is yeah. just a key part of that. But one challenge that I see a lot of Wellpreneurs coming up against is, like, it's hard to sell self-care <laughs> because, like, it if, is. if you're saying, hey, I can teach you to take care of yourself, like, who wants that? Like, we know yeah. that's important, but people aren't looking for that. And so I'm just curious, like, not that you have to have the ultimate answer, but I'm just, you're curious about your experience with your audience and when you talk about self care and like how the reaction has been, I don't know, just any thoughts about bringing people into self care, I guess.
1: Yes. Great question. But your timing is funny because I've just launched my first program with the podcast. This is like my first time monetizing the podcast. It's been a big deal. So, and I, it was, that was like my exact challenge. I was like, how do I make because it's one thing to monetize weight loss like it's it's not hard to motivate people to spend money on weight loss it's very different to be like i'm going to teach you how to like you know decide that it's awesome to take 10 minutes to motivate or to meditate in the morning like people aren't going to pay you for that and so that's been an interesting challenge although i've had so many women who've told me that like they want more information on how to take better care of themselves on how to like use their time better on how to take leaps in their life in different areas and so What I've done in the podcast, and I this has worked really well for me because it's been helpful in content creation, is I do a lot of lists. And if you go through and like look at my podcast content, it's often like three ways to blah, blah, blah. So it might be like three ways to make better use of your exercise time. It might be three ways to love, you know, love your body. One of the episodes I did was like six ways to fall in love with your life. So it's a lot of tactical lists. And I found that that for me helps me create really practical hands-on tips that people can put into practice and so with ways to fall in love with your life there was like specific steps that you can take because self-care can be really broad and you also have to be aware that like a lot of people self-care looks different to different people Mm -hmm. and they're going to prioritize it differently so if I tell everyone like you should everyone should exercise first thing in the morning which I firmly believe because it impacts my life so greatly I totally understand that a lot of people are going to be like absolutely not no way And so you have to find different ways, like different angles to hit different people. And so that's where I've used different kinds of lists with my podcast episodes to approach self-care from different angles. So they don't necessarily know that that's what they're getting. And then when I went to sell this program, which is called the Shameless Mom uh, Momentum Mastermind, what I'm doing with that is giving, like again, hands-on tactical ways that you can like increase, create joy every day. Cause Mm. who doesn't want that? Or, um, I'm actually like, how quickly can I pull up my website? But it's very tactical thing, how to create more time in your day. So like making your list of, yes, these are the things I'm going to do today. And also, where's your list of no. So I talk a lot about like, where are you crossing things off your list that are not significant, that are not high priority that you can either outsource or just skip altogether. So like for me, like, not folding laundry, like my son just stuffs his clothes in his drawer. We call that folding laundry. So, <laughs> so there's like, so I try to give really tactical tips that ultimately connect to self care. But I'm I'm selling practical yes advice. That is. Such.
0: So everybody listening like that is such an important point. So basically you're like you're teaching people self-care, but you're using right. a language of something that they actually want. So you're talking right. about joy or how to be happier in your life or how to make your life like more awesome. Or I don't I forget all the things you said, but people can go back and listen. But like that is the language of stuff that people want. And then the way to get there is self-care and you're making it really practical as opposed right. to just saying like, here's why you need self-care and like this huge blog post and lecture all about how you need to take more time for yourself, which is totally unactionable. Right. So that's, right.
1: that's really cool how you've done that. Yeah. And I will say that people, I sometimes feel like a broken record because a lot of my things end up spinning back to the same kinds of advice, but you ultimately you're telling it in different ways. So you're hitting, and I've actually watched other people do this in the online space where I'm like, oh, they do this so beautifully. I'm sure in their mind, they're like, I talk about the exact same thing every day but they're doing it from different angles. So you really are pulling in different people and hitting on different people's needs and desires at any given time, which I think is really important. Oh my gosh.
0: I think all of us feel that way. Like, I feel like I talk about the same stuff all the time
1: on <laughs> this podcast. <But> you're, <laughs> and your audience is like, wow, everything's so new and different and you're always so creative. And I'm like, and really? That,
0: <laughs> we're talking about this again?
1: No. <laughs> That's, and I got that at the gym when I was teaching all, all my boot camp classes and everyone was like, you're just so creative. We never do the same thing twice. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I feel like we do the same thing every day. It's just in a different order with different reps. Like, mm-hmm. So it's a lot. It's I mean, there, it's just the same it's the exact same as redesigning a workout. Like you're just redesigning the content in a different order, with like a different, yeah. you know, different number of bullet points.
0: So don't feel bad if you feel like you're just kind of saying the same thing about self-care over and over, because actually as your business grows and as your audience grows, there's always new people coming in that haven't heard it before. And who doesn't need to hear things more than once, right? Because how often do you hear stuff and not actually apply it to your life? So, yeah. Right. Okay. So I wanted to also talk about still on the topic of shame, Shame in the wellness industry, really, because like you were saying, well, yeah, just like uh, you were saying that it's really easy in the in the wellness industry to sell weight loss because Mm -hmm. people want that. And also you can make people feel pretty crummy about their bodies (laughs) and therefore pretty motivated
1: to buy something to fix it.
0: But yes. Yeah. But that's kind of like, yeah,
1: you know, so I've gotten really sensitive to that. So I like smell it a mile away. And I think it's because I had a lot of coaching from males in the fitness industry early on who were amazing business coaches, but they really harped on like selling to pain points. And they're like, well, you're selling to women and these are women's pain points. And I was immediately sensitive to the fact that these were like middle-aged men talking about women's most sensitive vulnerabilities. And that was always very uncomfortable to me. And so I think that's like where my heightened awareness started. And it's just kind of stayed there. And I was actually just reading an article today that was talking about it was talking about, it was basically a self-care article, but one of the top, one of the first paragraphs said something along the lines of like steps that you take or um, like when you fall off the wagon and you're no longer your sexy lean self. And this was this article in a newsletter to promote fitness. And I was like, no, like, oh my gosh, don't tell people that they're no longer their sexy lean self because then you're just perpetuating all the messages that we already get culturally. And I think that it's very easy in wellness and especially in fitness to just make people feel bad in order to make a sale. And I think that that's uncomfortable to me. It feels gross because the fitness and there's, there's a lot of grossness that happens in the fitness industry. Like I'm very aware of it and I've always been very, um, I've, I, I did not, I grew up overweight and hated sports. And so I've always been very conscientious of how I talk to people about fitness. And I know that I attract people who generally like did not grow up feeling awesome about their bodies. So I'm very, I'm very aware of messaging and I see it happen in fitness so much. And I think that it's because the more you can harp on someone's pain points, the more you are likely to make money off of them. But I see it even beyond fitness where in wellness in general, we try to guilt people into a sale. And so what I've been trying to do as much as I can, I try to always come f- with my, my first step is to present something of value that really lights someone up. they So instead of being like, oh yeah, I did gain 10 pounds in the last year, like instead of making them feel bad to be like, oh, I would love to feel this way. I would love to see this happen. I would love to take this step. I would love to try something new. So I think a lot of times it's selling hope instead of like, instead of trying to get money on people's pain points, let's sell them the hope of like, these are the things I have to offer you. I would love to create more joy for you in your day. I would love to help you create more time in your day. I'd love for you to have more energy all day long. I would love for you to feel stronger physically and emotionally. Like those are all things that people are going to be like, yes, yes, yes. Instead of like, did you gain 10 pounds? Are your pants too tight? When you sit down, does like, does a fat (laughs) roll roll over your waistband? And these are the, these are how men market to women in fitness. And you just feel like when you said that, I could just
0: feel like the energy shift, you know, from like, like all this positive, like painting people a picture of what life could be like versus just like like this, like shame and this inner, oh, like. You know, right? when you say that and when you say that, like everybody listening, you like immediately your attention goes to your middle when you're like, is your fat rolling over (laughs) your waistband? And you suddenly like are just even if you've been totally happy with your body, it makes you question like, oh, maybe it's a little
1: and like, oh, it's awful. Right. And I always try to let people know that they like you're you're already perfect as you are. But what could we make better together? So it's not that like you're coming from this place of like, well, you're clearly a total failure. So let me like save you. But it's like because most people are they they already feel like they failed in some way before they sign up for something. So instead, let's be like, you're already like an amazing mom or an amazing spouse or an amazing woman, whatever the case may be. You're in some facet like you're fantastic already, and I can't wait to work with you on this area of your life that you have identified not me, you have identified as the thing you want to work on rather than me being like, you want to work on your belly fat. (laughs) So I think that, um, yeah, it's tricky to do. It's hard. And it's, especially if you've always marketed from a place of shame, it's very hard to reframe that it's, it it takes a lot, but once you start doing it, you will start noticing how frequently people use shame and it will make your skin. crawl. Mm.
0: And honestly, it's not just in wellness. Like the thing that popped into my mind as you were talking was like marketing, And business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's so
0: much shame around, like, oh, do you have a thousand subscribers on your email list? Yeah. You made six figures yet? Like, do you have like 30,000 Facebook followers? Like, all this. Oh. And if you don't have that, then just buy my
1: program and I'll fix it. Like, yeah.
0: Oh, it's the same.
1: Yeah. Same stuff. I totally agree. And I say, like, don't follow, like, if someone, if you're following people on social media, or on their newsletters that make you feel bad about where you're at, those are not the people that you should be following. And I think that we spend way too much time following people. Like we get stuck in the comparison trap and we think like, Oh, well I have to follow this person because they're really successful and they're where I want to be. Follow the people who are where you want to be, but are doing it in the way that you want to do it so that when you see what they're doing, you're like, Oh my gosh, yes, I love what they're doing. I totally want to do that because the way that they're doing it makes me feel really good about following them. Not like they're doing it really well and they're making millions of dollars. But they make me feel bad as a person because they have more followers than me. Mm -hmm.
0: Totally. (laughs) Yes. Ruthlessly unsubscribe from those people. Like I know that feeling and we do it. I mean, following other people in wellness and fitness and people that like on Instagram share those like totally incredible recipes that your photos are never, ever, you know, your food never looks that way. Like that kind of stuff. I used to think I had to follow all of those to know what was going on in the industry. And, but actually you don't. Like, yeah, you can't, you can follow a couple, like you said, if they make you feel really good and you're inspired and whatever, but actually at some point you just need to like cut out the noise and do your work. You need to do totally. what you need to do and go on your path and all that other stuff's just a total distraction and causes you to compare and spiral into this
1: ickiness. So, right. It creates, it creates the same self doubt in our head that our clients have in their head. Like, it's just, you know, it's all it's the same thing that we're we're getting the same self-doubt about our business as they're having about their bodies or their self-care or whatever. So we have to protect ourselves from
0: that. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's so good. So how do you overcome this kind of feeling guilty and shamed and ugh?
1: like how What? what's worked for you? So for me, it took a lot of being really intentional with small bits of time every day. So you know it used to be that I could work out endlessly if I wanted to and I could train for a half marathon and like that totally changed when I had a child and that was fine but I had to learn how to capitalize on like 10 minutes here and there and so in the morning I read for 10 minutes and it's the kind of thing where you could be like it's 10 minutes like what there's no big deal if you skip it yeah there's it's no big deal if I skip it but if I'm consistent every day and I read 10 minutes over time that totally adds up and so in the last 2 weeks I've read like 180 pages of Pat Flynn's book Will It Fly And it's because I spent 10 minutes before I work out every morning reading, just doing a little bit of reading. And so I've learned to just do little snips here and there for um, in order to keep me motivated and keep me lit up. And so that's so I get it from my I get it from reading. I get it from bullet journaling, which I'm not a formal bullet journaler, but I into lists. So I have a bullet journal goal that I want to start bullet journaling and I get it from learning to do things that make me feel good. So for me, exercise used to always be about this like critical thing in my body. Like, well, you need to do it for weight loss and fat loss. And the thing that burns the most calories and like very traditional, like what most women feel about exercise. And I really, because of all the stuff that happened after my son was born, I really had to step back and be like, I'm just going to exercise today to be like a more patient and kind person to my child who screams a lot. And I've really carried that through that. Like I exercise 20 to 30 minutes a day and it is just so that I will feel awesome because I think like I so firmly believe that I don't care what you do for exercise. I don't care if you walk or do yoga or train for a marathon or a triathlon or lift weights or do CrossFit. But I think that being strong physically and moving physically totally carries over into other areas of your life. And so when you feel strong physically and have proven to yourself at some point during the day that like, yes, I'm capable of doing this with my body, that then when you have opportunities to prove yourself as being capable in other areas of your life, you will take advantage of them and you will present confidently in those areas. And I think that that's the biggest thing that I'm, that I do and I model, but it's also my, one of my biggest recommendations to people. And it's about, I mean, you, your listeners being in wellness, I'm sure understand and relate to that. But I think that we have to let people have options. And so, so that they're not, it's easy to be like, yes, CrossFit is the thing that burns the most calories or, and there's also like, you should be paleo. No, you should be vegan. It's mm-hmm. like, no, actually, like you should just, eat reasonably healthy and stop before you're totally full and make sure you're getting in a decent amount of protein. Like it can be simpler than that. It doesn't have to be following super rigid guidelines. So you can make it more manageable for more people and take the shame out of it. Because as soon as you pigeonhole something into like the best thing is this, Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you create shame for people who live outside of that. And so that's where like I, and I'm someone who like, you know, if a trainer would have told me 10 years ago, like you need to be paleo, I would have felt horrible if I had a bite of a donut. And now with like, I don't tell my clients to follow something super, super specific. I say like, here's some guidelines. Let's mostly follow this. If you are 20, you know, 80% of the time you're mostly following this 20% of the time, it's okay to be outside of that. No shame at all. If you have, you know, if you get completely off the wagon over the weekend or whatever, and you need to, you, you need a fresh start on Monday, that's okay too always looking forward. So you're never looking back with regret. You're just always looking forward at the next opportunity. So I think that those are some of the ways that I personally dismiss shame in my life, get rid of, like, don't let it in. And then also how I I recommend others do as well.
0: Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that, especially the just keep looking forward. I think that applies to so many areas of our lives, right? Even relationships and parenting, like you said, and also business. So who cares if like your last launch didn't work or you feel like you should be the dreaded, like, I feel like I should be further ahead by now, all of that stuff, just let it fall away and just focus on where you're going. Like keep moving totally, totally. (gasps) Sarah, it's (laughs) so great having you on. Tell us where we can find you and like all about your podcast and how people can get in touch. Yeah.
1: Sure. So my last episode was How to Win at Failing. So so you can find the podcast over at shamelessmom.com and you can find uh, contact information for me over there as well. And if any of you have any questions about doing going multiple directions in wellness, like having a gym and a podcast or things like that, um, I'm happy to be a resource. So feel free to reach out to me. Um, You can do that. There's contact information at um, shamelessmom.com. Oh, awesome. Thanks so much, Sarah, for being here. Thank you for having me. It was really fun.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. As always, you can get all of our links in the show notes, which are available at wellpruneronline.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, definitely share it with a Wellpreneur friend. Because there's still people out there that don't know about podcasts and don't listen to podcasts. And as we all know, podcasts are such an awesome way to get learning into your daily life. So find a well-printer friend, take their phone and show them how to subscribe. Well, don't take their phone, but use their phone to show them how to subscribe to a podcast because so many people don't know. And I'd love to get the word out to more well-printers out there. Anyway, have a fantastic week. I'll see you in the Facebook group and I'll see you back here next week with the next episode.